Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Pastor Andy Addis. You plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. But Lord, when will your harvest come in? You're giving all you've got to give in the place where you've been sent. But will this labor make much difference in the end? Will no one ever know? Sometimes you feel so all alone. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. To that church on the corner of that forgotten little town With a room of empty peers where his love can still be found You may never know of all the seeds you sow But it just takes one willing soul to make it Mm-mm-mm. Here we are, the week after Thanksgiving. If you're watching this or listening to this out of order, then uh, just know we we're still coming off that big meal coma, and uh, and we all have our favorite traditions. And between the last episode and this one, I discovered that we should have talked about this last week. But uh, well, first of all, introductions. My name is Andy Addis. I am uh, the host here and have the privilege of being the North American Mission Board Rural Director as well as a multi-site pastor for Cross Point Church in rural America. And I'm here with Danny Payne, who is the um, Associational Mission Strategist for the Flint Hills Association here in the Kansas-Nebraska Church Forward Convention. Our, our business cards have lots of words on them. They do. Uh, but Danny told me that one of his favorite traditions for Thanksgiving... I, now, I watch the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special, uh, but you watch... I watch, I'm, I'll date myself. I watch the WKRP in Cincinnati turkey drop every year. With Les Nessman. With Les Nessman. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly and falling like wet bags of cement. If you haven't ever watched it, it should be a tradition for you. I'm just saying. It's that good. Oh, gosh. I, you know, And what's funny is I grew up from 1983 to 1996. I was on air as a DJ. So I loved uh, WKRP. And Dr. Johnny Fever, Fever. was my <laughs> he was my hero, uh, which was a sad hero <laughs> to have. But yes, if you've missed that, you know, it doesn't have to be Thanksgiving to see that episode. It's timeless. Now, where do you see it at, by the way? Do you, is it on anything you, you can, can stream? I think you can get I think you can Hulu and some of those. They stream it. Actually, Actually, I think you can probably see it on YouTube. Yeah, probably. You can see everything on YouTube now. That's great. Well, I'm so glad you shared that holiday tradition with us. I feel warmer <laughs> for that, having having known that. <laughs> they were dropping turkeys out of a helicopter. <laughs> oh, so Domestic good. turkeys don't fly, folks, just so you know. Yes, absolutely. And it, because they were trying to do like an Easter egg drop, he thought it would be great, right? <laughs> it's just... Fantastic. Anyway, uh, we have been in, the, this is the third of a three-part series that Danny and I are doing on pastoral attitudes. And uh, we started off talking about hospitality, and then we talked about thankfulness. I thought that was a great conversation that we had last time. Um, but today, I want to talk about uh, an issue that for some, natural. For others, unnatural. And the issue, the, the pastoral attitude is that of compassion. And uh, I don't find a greater place to have this discussion than in the lack thereof it in the book of Jonah. 
<laughs> now, uh, I do, uh, I, um, this is a little self-promoting, to be honest with you, because just a week ago, we were able to release, you know, I've, I've got a few uh, books that I've got under my belt, but I've never written a fiction book before, and I have just released a fiction book called Jonas, which is a modern allegory of the book of Jonah, and I'm so excited about it, and you can check the show notes or go to andyattis.com or ruralpastor.com podcast.com and and you can get to that. But I've been thinking so much about Jonah because for the last three years, this has been a project that's finally come to fruition. And uh, the reason that I love it is, first of all, it is a book that we really don't know how it ends, right? If you've read the four short chapters of Jonah, you get to the end and you're like, did he accept? Did, did he did he repent? Did he submit? We just don't know. You always want to turn the page and go, is there something else? Is did it is my Bible complete? Yeah, you, you want to say, hey, did Jonah accept what God did? Turn to page 47. <laughs> you know, but but it's not there. But the the bigger issue is there's such a reality to the fact that Jonah was wounded, not even personally, but he knew his family had suffered under the Assyrians, capital Nineveh, and that he hated them. And because of that, when God said in Jonah chapter one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, summon up Amittai, go to Nineveh. He's like, ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. So before we talk about how do we have compassion, let me just read when the word of the Lord came to Jonah and he said, go to Nineveh. Here is Jonah chapter one, verse three, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So three things, everything's three. I was a Baptist pastor, right? And I just didn't have time to alliterate them. So here we go. Number one, the first response that Jonah gives starts with the word but. And that is never a good response to anything the Lord says. The Lord says this, and you go, but. And he's contradicting. That's never good. And then it says he rose to flee to Tarshish which means that the contradiction was, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I mean, Tarshish compared to Nineveh. He wanted to go as far away as humanly possible. He wanted like, I have, I want nothing to do with that. And I think, which is really funny because he's like, God's like, "Uh, do you know I'm, you don't, you don't get to get away from me here. <laughs> That's right. Because in his day and age, Tarshish was the edge of the known world. Yeah. Right. That was as far as you could go in the opposite direction. Right. Uh, Nineveh was east and he went as far west as you could possibly go. And then what's really interesting is that first he contradicted, but, and then he rose to flee to Tarshish, went in his own plan. Here's the real thing that happened though. And, and I don't think I saw this until recently in my own life, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He wasn't even really fleeing the responsibility. He was literally running from God the other direction. He's like, I so don't want to do what you want me to do. I don't even want to be near you. And that is what real disobedience does. It doesn't just color the act. It, what real disobedience does is it separates you from God. That's what sin is. It's a separator, right? We agreed so far on the premise. That being the case, here we are talking about compassion and what Jonah lacked was compassion. And maybe rightly so for a good number of reasons. We know the Assyrians, the the Ninevites were horrible people, very difficult. Uh, But just like Jonah didn't have the right to deny the Lord, we as pastors and churches, we don't get to pick Ninevites in our community. And we don't get to say who we will minister to and who we won't. So this is really, as we talk about compassion, do we have any modern Ninevites 
in our sights as as a church and as a community. So I've got four different categories here. Let's just spend some time talking about these, and it should be very uplifting. I can see in your face you're like, this is going to be exciting. <laughs> he stretches his knuckles. Here we go. Uh, first of all, we got to be careful that as churches there are not categories of people we don't like because they hurt us. And they may have hurt us personally, or they may have hurt us corporately, um, but there's any number of ways in which we can write off individuals, families, or whole segments of the community because something that they did or said was painful to us. In ministry, ever been an issue for you where somebody did or said something, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what, just forget it. I'm, I'm just going to no longer worry about them. Oh, man, the list is long. <laughs> You know, being in church long enough like you, Andy, I, I remember I had a guy that was just, he had a view of worship that was not movable mm. and was critical and was in my office frequently and mm. often, and he wanted it one way and wanted it one way only. And I'll never forget, he came in office, barged in, unannounced, and guns a-blazing, and I looked at him and, and I said, so let me ask you a question. I said, so if somebody wants the exact opposite of you, hmm. what do you want me to tell them? And he looked at me like, they would? Yeah. <laughs> Who is that crazy person? Yeah. yeah. And, but here was the thing. I, he was also one of my church members. Mm. And so I saw him every Sunday and I knew he was going to be critical. And we'd had enough conversations about how we did church on Sunday morning and he was still somebody that I needed to love. Amen. And I couldn't avoid him. And here's the crazy thing. He was hypercritical about Sunday morning, but he would do anything for me because I was willing to endure playing golf with him oh on a Friday. Small price to pay. <laughs> and, 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 but three hours of golf, and he never said anything. But what here's what happened, Andy, is because I chose not to avoid him Hmm. and dip into his world, he softened. Amen. Amen, amen. And it was hard. Yeah. Because the wounds from the office conversation were in the back of my head as I'm swinging my golf club looking, you know, this driver could, you know, could have an accident. <laughs> <laughs> if I could just time the release. <laughs> oh, my hands were sweaty. <laughs> so th that's a very real thing in ministry. There are people that hurt us. And um, I remember a few years ago, we were enduring a church split. And it wasn't one of those where they showed up one morning and a group of people says, we're gone. It was a very slow tearing away. And, uh, and we saw it coming. And we knew that it was not a positive. And every bit about it was painful and hurtful. And I remember talking to a mentor and they gave me great advice. And this is what we did. We went to him and said, listen, we see this coming. We know that there are some irreconcilable differences. Um, but what we think would be best is you don't just leave, but that we send you off. Can we pray for you? Can we, can we lay hands on you? Can we commission you to do whatever it is that God's called you to do? And what that did, even though you know, that was an awkward and somewhat received, somewhat ill-received, didn't matter. Because we did that, what it did is it set us up to not hate them when they were gone. Right? To not, to not draw a line and say, it's us versus them. Because the worst group of people on the planet is them. <laughs> right? I used to have a guy who'd come in the office about worship stuff all the time and want to talk to me about this. And he was never, he never had a problem with anything. He was just representing them. 
well, who is them? And, and you just got start getting mad at anybody you thought they might have talked to, right? Because them's and they's. Well, we need to make sure that we don't turn the people that have wounded us. The reason Jonah was so unhappy was he heard the stories of the 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 fish hooks through the cheek and the slavery and the torture and all of that. And he said, they should never get a chance to find acceptance in the kingdom of God. And, and he refused to forgive. So the opposite for us, if we have some modern Ninevites, if we're in our churches, we have some groups that we struggle with because they've hurt us and wounded us, then we get to forgive like Jesus. And that really starts to show what, what is forgiveness? Because forgiveness for all of us is really easy when it's somebody that we like. Mm-hmm. And that we and we want to rekindle the relationship. Yes, but yeah. somebody that may not the friendship may not be reconcilable. Yeah, aren't there people that when they're gone, you're kind of like, that's a good thing. I mean, it's never it never is, but in your mind, you're like, you know what? This is actually I like this space. This is this is okay, and God doesn't like that space. But I think it's so important for us to to learn how to forgive well because it we don't, and then that then that puts that that us and them in play too often in the church, which creates division and it's not it's not the church yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. so the first group that we have to really deal with are those who've hurt us they've wounded us and we have to learn how to forgive because we cannot we cannot write anybody off because of that second um people we're uncomfortable with these aren't necessarily the people that hurt us but they're the people that just make us a little oh, i'm just weary after i talk to you maybe it's a social thing or or maybe it's a lifestyle thing or or maybe it's sometimes people just rub each other wrong right but it doesn't matter we don't we don't get to write off individuals or people just because they make us uncomfortable at a church i served at years ago we, i had a guy a sweet gentleman but he was a close talker. <laughs> like a lean in, breathe your breath kind of talker? Yeah, you could, uh, did you have, uh, looks like you had four creamers in that coffee, that close. And and like you would like look, and yeah. he was sweet, but he did not know boundaries. Mm-hmm. And you were like, when you saw him coming, you're like, okay, are there no walls between me and him? And you were backing up, and but he was sweet. And so you're like, I want to give him time, but he didn't understand the social boundaries. Mm. And it, it wasn't like he was offensive, but it was like, I can't, you can't be three inches from my face. And he was consistent with everybody. Right. That's just who he was. This is who he was. Yeah. yeah for me, the, it's not the close talkers. It's the long talkers. The one you could have said this in five minutes. Why have we been here 38 minutes talking about this one thing? Uh, but, but then also, you know, that as far as people you're uncomfortable with, some people have lifestyles that, um, that don't reflect your lifestyle that, that you would just wouldn't hang out with. And the truth is that we can't write them off, right? And I'm not talking about sin issues here. I'm not, I'm not, don't worry. I'm not crossing a line saying that we need to become complicit in somebody else's lifestyle or that we need to uh, embrace or consecrate. Something. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about people we're uncomfortable with, um, that it's so easy to avoid rather than engage when as a pastor... Um, we're called to not let to not run or flee from anyone if they're part of the flock. Absolutely, Amen. absolutely. So, people we don't like, people we're uncomfortable with. I think this is the most important one. Third out of four, people who are messy. And when I say messy, there are all kinds of people who we would love the Lord to do a work on them, but the work's going to require 
getting in just a mess with them, right? Uh, because everything about them, the, the, there's drama, there is difficulty, there is all kinds of uh, just dirty work. The three Ds, drama, difficulty, and dirty work. There we go. Uh, that, that are involved in that. And you can, as a pastor, if you've been a pastor for a while, you can look at somebody at 20 paces and go, there's a hot mess. There's a hot mess. And your thought is, not this weekend. I just can't, <laughs> can't handle it this time. Or maybe as a church, uh, you've decided we can't deal with the Oxford house down the street and those recovering. We're not going to deal with the, the guys coming out of incarceration. We're not going to have uh, an addiction ministry in the church because it's just too messy. Well, those, those are the people that God called us to go to. Right. And, and so we can't write them off if they're too messy. And it's funny because we think of messy and we like to kind of put it in a box. Like these are the things that I'll work with that are messy. And these are the things, and God doesn't, God doesn't say that. He doesn't say, well, he puts a lot in the box and says, this is a lot of mess. Yeah. And it's funny because people who aren't messy all of a sudden become messy because their son goes wayward mm-hmm. or they they get laid off and then they have catastrophic health issues. Now mm-hmm. they're messy because they need help. And I think it, I think one of the reasons it helps us to help and walk with messy people. I, I remember I had a young woman in my church years ago. You know, Annie, she she had she had made lots of decisions that were not good decisions, mm. and she she just made a, a list of them. But something that was so important it, that whenever she came to see me, I knew it was not going to be a short conversation. And I remember that that myself. And, uh, you know, just the church rallied around this young lady mm, beautiful. and just didn't quit on her. Because, Instead of running the other way. Yes. Because it had been like, oh, here she comes. I'm just, I don't have time. But yeah. but when you make time for people, you can start to see. And, and here's a cool part. I, I did her wedding. She's got it. She, she's employed. <laughs> ah, and, and, that's you know, awesome. And, and, but I'm like, yeah. but it was a cumulative effect. We don't solve everybody's problems in the moment, but it's like we start to put some some chips into there and all of a sudden they're, Oh, I can be, Oh, I can get well. It's some of what we do when we don't avoid people is we give them an opportunity that they, there's a, there's a hope for something that they can't find. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the ways that, because my natural tendency as an individual is to push away from the mess. I figure I got enough to deal with. And so one of the ways that we engage with this, my wife's such more of a people person than I am, but for me to stay engaged with this is like right now we have a, we have a church member who lives with us and uh, we've had over the years, we have a room in the basement of our house that we built because we had uh, teenagers that uh, were friends of our boys who weren't allowed to live at home anymore and they came to live with us. And so we actually let the mess move in. <laughs> when the mess moves in, you realize that it's not about the, it's not about them making a mess, it's about them crawling out from under the mess and and you wanting to be there uh, with them in that process. And I think when you walk with people that are messy, Jesus walked with messy people. Mm-hmm. He didn't avoid them. He, I mean, you think about the you think about the stories that we see in the gospels, he went to those people. Mhm. And I just, I remember when I was growing up at our church in, uh, in Wichita, Sharon Baptist Church, uh, we had, in the seventies, I mean, everybody wore suit and tie, all the women dressed in dresses. It was, it was very formal. And here comes John Johnson. He walks in and he's wearing a white tank top 
and jeans that are frayed because he's a welder by chance. He looked like a modern day John the Baptist. <laughs> Weird. Camel hair and eating locusts. So. Pretty close, yeah. Andy. And so they, I fully expected as a teenager for leaders to go, um, you'll need to go and come back. Right. And they didn't. They just loved him as he was. They loved him as he was. And that guy got saved. And here's the, if you go there today, I think the thing is, I remember John wasn't at our church terribly long, got cancer and died. Hmm. He was a young man, probably in his 30s or 40s. The education building that we built was done in his memory. Wow. Wow. From that long-haired, tank-top-wearing, hippie kind of kid who came in. But I think when you walk into people's mess, part of it is that God is, is using you for something you may not see. You might see, yeah. but he's using you as a vessel in their world. Yeah, and and sometimes the blessing comes back on you in such a major way. Uh, you know, I, I talk about opening our home up. The kiddos that have lived with us, to see them, they're now in ministry and do, doing great work. Uh, and and I say right now, there's a, a guy from our church living with us. Well, he's not a mess. He's doing incredible stuff. God, God's using him in an incredible way. And we just get an opportunity to partner with him at this season in his life. And, but but to do that is always, it's an interruption in your schedule, interruption in your life, but it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. We can't write them off just because there's some mess. I think uh, Ken Geyer's one of my favorite authors. He said, much of ministry is an intrusion into your life. Mm -hmm. It's not something you plan. That's right. God's in, Henry Blackaby, God's interruptions. Mm-hmm. You have to give him the right to interrupt your life at any time. All right. So we got three out of four, one more, and a brief one to talk about. Uh, we we make sure that we don't have people we don't like because they hurt us. We have to forgive like Jesus. Uh, we can't write off people we're uncomfortable with because that really says more about us than it does about them. Uh, we can't uh, write off people who are messy. As a matter of fact, let's just wrap this up because uh, that's the gospel. God came into the mess. Uh, he he poured himself out, made him save nothing, took on the very nature of a servant, and being found obedient, became obedient even to the point of death on a cross. That's getting messy, right? That's coming into our world and getting messy. But then the last one, um, people who are repeat offenders or the needy, they're just constantly needy. Um, when, when, when we see those people, this is probably the worst for me. I'm like, here they come every week, same problem. Oh, I have to have the same conversation again. And I just want to run sometimes. For me, I have to remember, bring a mirror. Because how many times have I brought the same failures and brokenness before the Lord, and he's not run from me, right? The, but sometimes they're an easy group to write off. If you see somebody who's hyper needy or a constant reoffender. Uh, you know, I, I think of myself, Andy, and you said it kind of as well. I'm a repeat offender. Uh-huh. And Jesus doesn't run from me. And I think about just in ministry like you, that you see those people coming. And if if you don't realize your mess, you're not going to be compassionate about their mess. That's right. Bring them here. Right. Bring them here. Good stuff. As we look at this and we head into especially a holiday season, we need to remember that we are the church and we do care for our own. We are a body and a family and a flock, but that... God has put us in a community, in a lost world, and we can't write off those who've hurt us. We cannot forget those who make us uncomfortable. We, we can't 
just pretend they don't exist if they're messy. And uh, even those who bring their needs again and again and again and again, uh, we recognize our own self in that in front of the Lord. And and we don't have any modern Ninevites. We're gonna be. We're gonna actually finish this story, not like Jonah. And the finish to our story is gonna be, Lord, we're faithful. We will go, and we will be who you need us to be. Amen. Well said. Well said. Amen. Well, what a privilege to be with you guys. Danny, it's been a great series. These three, if you haven't heard the previous two, they're all a part of some pastoral attitudes, and we hope that you would uh, share in those. Until the next time we meet, we want to just remind you that the Rural Pastor Podcast believes in you, and you're not alone. We hope to see you again real soon on another episode here at the Rural Pastor Podcast. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go. To the dying and the broken With a message of hope To that church on the corner Of that forgotten little town With a room of empty peers Where his love can still be found You may never know of all the seeds you sow But it just takes one willing soul to make it Thank you for joining us on the Rural Pastor Podcast. Special thanks to Chosen Road for our incredible theme music and to 180 Digital for their corporate sponsorship and making all the technical things possible. Rural Church Leader, we want to remind you that your work is important, that you are important, and that you are not alone. See you again soon for another edition of the Rural Pastor Podcast.